0: If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out and turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, what a cool Sunday it was last week, getting to celebrate all of what God has done over the last 15 years, getting to joyfully celebrate Pastor Doug and Karen and their ministry here. Like I... I just thought it was a sweet day and I was grateful that we got to do it and now I'm grateful we get to jump back into the book of Philippians. Uh, After today, we're only going to have six more weeks left in this book. We're going to be coming out of Philippians for both Palm Sunday and Easter weekend and so that means you've got about eight weeks left to memorize a passage out of this book of the Bible. The challenge we gave you at the beginning was what if we could all as a faith family memorize one paragraph out of this? And so you still have time to do that. Find it, time's running out. So you might wanna go for one of the short paragraphs and then just let's memorize God's word together as we go through this. So Philippians chapter two, we're actually gonna be in verses 217 through 31 today. Remember this whole section in the middle of Philippians is all kind of stemming from chapter 1, verses 20, verse 27 that says this, only this one thing, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This one thing, be about this one thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the good news about him. Today, this passage is gonna get really practical. Paul's gonna say, and here are some examples of what that looks like. Uh, So question for you, who do you imitate? Who do you imitate? I grew up doing martial arts and in martial arts, you imitate a lot you look at the example of your instructors you look at other students and see what you should do and what you shouldn't do when i was a a kid the big person that you wanted to look to was bruce lee Everybody wanted to be as good at martial arts as Bruce Lee was, and no one was capable of doing that. And you would watch all of his movies, you'd get his books, you'd like put your feet exactly in the stances that his feet were in, you'd make your fists in the same way, you'd make the sounds that he made when he, when he punched and kicked and you just, you wanted to imitate him, why? So that you could become like him, so you could have the skill and the ability that he had in martial arts who are you imitating maybe it's a business person maybe it's a professor or a or a parent maybe it's a a chef all the cooking shows that are on television right now we're we're watching next level chef that's one of our favorites it just i give that to you uh, pastors do this a lot we imitate great preachers we want to have their same tone of voice, make our movements just like theirs, our methods. Who are you imitating? Paul today is gonna say, here are four examples worth imitating that point to the gospel. First example is this. It's an example of joyful service. An example of joyful service. The first example is, is Paul himself. Look down chapter 2. Let's actually start back like verse 16. He says, Shine as lights in the world. How? By holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I didn't run in vain or labor in vain. Now, verse 17. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of, of your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Look at that first phrase there in verse 17, even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. What does that mean? So here's what that is. After an animal or a grain sacrifice was made, often a drink offering of wine was made at the same time. It was poured either beside the sacrifice on the altar or right beside the altar. As what would happen is steam would rise up from this drink being poured on the sacrifice as a picture of that sacrifice rising up to God in worship. So is what Paul is saying here. He's saying my whole life, it's given. It's sacrificed for the sake of the gospel and for this church. He's like, I got to be, he got to be poured out as a contributor to the faith of the Philippian church, which resulted in, if you look at this, their sacrifice. Because it says, even if I am poured out upon the sacrificial offering of your faith they were living sacrificially also and he got to be part of that with his life poured out what a beautiful picture of a life lived for christ our lives are meant to be offered to the lord as a sacrifice a living sacrifice Romans 12:1 says this, I appeal to you therefore brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And by this being right here, Paul's getting ready to give us two really tangible people that are examples. And with this right here, I think is what Paul is doing is subtly saying, I'm the first example. In chapter three, verse 17, he'll say it really clearly. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Right here, it's a little bit more subtle. And as you look at that, you might say, how is that humble? I mean, he's supposed to be an example even of humility That seems pretty arrogant to say, imitate me. But look at what it says. Even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, what does he do? I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. What is joy in, in the book of Philippians? It's in who? It's in the Lord. So he's saying, you can rejoice I can rejoice, why? Because all of this is all from the Lord and for the Lord. Paul isn't claiming to be the ultimate example here. He's pointing this church at Philippi to Christ and the gospel through his sacrificial living. Biblical humility It doesn't attempt to express selflessness by just saying like, don't look at me, don't look at me. True humility says, look at Christ. My hope, my prayer is that you will see him and the good news about him through my life. That's true humility. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but it was the grace of God that is with me. Paul can say, look at me, because he knows that it's nothing that he has done. Anything in his life worth Imitating is by God's grace. Anything that you are seeing is from God and it's for God in His life. Question for us Do people see us living sacrificially for the sake of the gospel? Do people see us poured out for the sake of the gospel? Mind you, I'm saying poured out, not run ragged. I think sometimes we think when we hear live sacrificially, we think I just got to do more. I got to do more of this. I got to do more of this. I got to do more of that. More, 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 more. Maybe you do need to do more. But don't just equate busyness with sacrifice. Think of it like this. Uh, March Madness is going on right now. I don't know about you, but my brackets are destroyed. Um, I, like day one, it was over in spite of our brackets. Uh, what do we want to see when we watch March Madness? What we're hoping to see is we're hoping to see these teams come out and leave it all on the court. What do we mean by that? We mean that we want to see people that can say, I gave this game everything that I had. I did the best I could with the gifts and the moments that I've been given. That's what it means to be poured out for the sake of the gospel. Will we be able to say, I left it all on the court? For you Lord I left it all on the court for my fellow believers I left it all for my family for the sake of my co-workers for the sake of my neighbors for the sake of the gospel and the glory of God I gave my best in the moments that you gave me Lord Uh, What is something in your life that you would be unwilling to sacrifice to serve Christ? Maybe it's time, that's mine, that's my hardest. Maybe it's finances or a job or a relationship, maybe for you right now, you're struggling setting aside a sin in order to follow Jesus. Think about what that is. Now ask yourself this question, why? Why is that so hard for me to set aside? What am I not grasping about the gospel that's keeping me from seeing how much better Jesus is? than this thing. We get the privilege of spending ourselves gladly for the furthering of the gospel. There's no greater purpose that we could be given in this life than getting the opportunity to join with God in his redemptive mission to reach the world with the gospel. And Paul starts out here and he says, live in a manner worthy of the gospel. And he says, allow my life of joyful sacrifice to be that first example to you. Second example is this. It's an example of genuine concern. An example of genuine concern. Look at verse 19. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered or encouraged by news of you because I have no one like him. I have no one who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Why? Because they all seek their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How is the son with a father. He has served with me in the gospel. And I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it's going to go with me. And I trust in the Lord. I love that. He's making plans while still trusting in God's sovereign plan. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come Also, This example of genuine concern is is Timothy, a little about Timothy. He had joined up with Paul before his first trip to Philippi that we saw back in Acts chapter 16. And he's been serving now with him for about 10 years at this point. And Paul says, I'm going to hold Timothy out to you for two reasons. One, I'm going to send him back to you because I want him to learn what's going on with you and then come back back from Philippi to Rome, remember, where Paul is in prison, so that I can hear how you're doing and be encouraged by that news. The other reason that he's sending Timothy is so that they will be encouraged when they see Timothy's gospel-shaped life. And how sweet is that? He says, I have nobody, like him that will be genuinely concerned genuine is sincere it's real not fake when I first read this this week I was like that's sad (laughs) there's no one else that's concerned for this church like Timothy and as I thought about it more. By the end of the week, I, I was looking at it saying, how sweet is that though for this church? Have you ever had someone in your life that really, truly loved and cared for you? Like, I mean, truly, all the way down. Yeah. It's incredible. It's a gift from God. And Paul looks into Timothy's life and he finds that he is sincerely concerned for this church. It's not a show. It's not fake. It's not some means to an end. It's from the heart. It's overflowing from his life. If we looked into us, would we find real concern? For each other? Or, or would we find a facade? Would, would concern overflow from us? Uh, I like donuts. Our family likes donuts. Um, we like trying different donuts. One of our favorite is the Bavarian cream filled donut. Oh. And, and there's nothing more disappointing than biting into a donut that you think is filled with Bavarian cream and just finding more donut. Even more disappointing is biting into that donut and finding that there's barely any Bavarian cream in there. Even more disappointing, and this is going to divide us, biting into a donut that you think is filled with Bavarian cream and finding that nasty, white, fluffy stuff. <clears throat> And, and, and the fault is partly on me if I do that because if you've ever had a good one and we've got a place that makes a good one, when you pick that donut up, you know it's gonna be good. Like you can feel, it's got weight to it. It's hefty. Like we've got one place that we go and you get it and it's like, that, that donut weighs like a pound. You're like, I think I'm gonna eat this and I think it's gonna translate to five pounds when I eat it. And you just open that thing up and it just, it overflows with goodness. And I, I, I was talking with the family there, Dan, I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if I'd go into a donut shop and, I'm, and I go up there, it's like, hey, I want the Bavarian cream filled donut. Can I just hold it? Just hold it? Just be like, yeah, that's not gonna work. I'll take the red velvet. But it's so good because you break that thing open and what you are expecting to be there is. And it's wonderful and it overflows from the heart of this and you're like, that's what this is supposed to be. That's what's happening here. He's like, Timothy says he loves and is concerned for you. He is. He's got gospel substance to his life. Do our lives, like Timothy's, overflow in genuine concern? This, this quality is not something that we can just conjure up either, is it? Genuine concern overflows from a life that's been transformed by the gospel. This is a work of the Spirit, through the gospel in our lives. So the way that we get it is by asking God to help us, asking God to help us realize how he has acted in our lives, how he has changed us and asking him to change us from the inside out in a way that we overflow in this love and care for someone else. Paul's like, Timothy, Timothy is living a life that's worthy of the gospel, imitate his example. What's really cool is we find out from the rest of scripture that Timothy was even in the faith because of the influence of his mother and his grandmother. Because his mother and his grandmother pointed him to God and taught him the scriptures. He now is in the faith and look, look at the example that he's living out, I love that. It's a generational gospel example that we see here in scripture. Next example is this, it's an example of faithful service. An example of faithful service, look down at verse 25, we're gonna see Epaphroditus. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and the minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Look at that again. He has been longing for you all and he has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. (laughs) to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Epaphroditus, a little bit about him. He was probably a native of Philippi. Uh, He was more than likely saved out of a pagan upbringing. We know that because he's named after a Greek goddess. And what we find out later in Philippians that we now read back into this section because it's the eyes that Paul would have been writing this with. He was sent by the church at Philippi with a financial gift to support Paul in prison in Rome. The reason why is because when you were in prison at that time, you survived only on the funds and the food and the supplies that were brought to you by family and friends. And along this way, this would have been Philippi to Rome, probably at least a two month journey. And somewhere in this journey, he gets really sick, he gets ill and he almost dies. All right, so here's what I want us to know about Epaphroditus this morning. He's just a courier. That's all he is. I mean, he's, he's a courier of money. They hand him this money. They say, go on this journey, take it to Rome, give it to Paul. Then Paul gives him this letter, and he goes back, and he takes this letter back to the church at Philippi. I mean, he would have had to have been Trustworthy so that they knew he wouldn't take the money and the food or the clothing that they sent, but that's it. And along those lines, as I was thinking about this, I'm like, yeah, so he had to be trustworthy, but he also was someone, they were okay with him being gone from the church for six months to a year. So it was a little, like I mean, I can imagine on All In Sunday, Epaphroditus is there and he's like, hey, I'd love to teach a Sunday school class. And they're like, well, could you take this money to Paul? How about that? That's what we really need you to do. And then he set out. That was it. His job was to carry money and a letter. Look down here at verse 25. Look how Paul talks about this courier. He says, he is my brother in Christ. He is my fellow worker and fellow soldier. Mind you, this is the apostle Paul. And he's saying, this is my partner in gospel work. He's battling alongside of me for the sake of the gospel. It says he is a messenger, apostolos, not one of the 12, but a sent one, an ambassador of the gospel. And it says he is a minister to my need. This minister is the idea of an assistant or a helper or a caregiver of sorts for Paul. And then look down in verse 29. He keeps going. So do this receive Epaphroditus in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Why? Because he nearly died. Look at this. For what? For what? For, for courier work? For carrying money? For the work of Christ. Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. That's another way of saying that could be um, risking his life to do what you couldn't do because you were so far away from me. Paul is making a point here that Epaphroditus by carrying, ministering to his needs and faithfully serving in seemingly small tasks, was an example of beautiful, sacrificial, honorable, valuable gospel work. Like this messenger is held out by Paul as a pillar of an example to the church at Philippi, an example of faithful service. When I read this, I thought of Psalm 37.3, It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Be faithful in what God has called you to do, big or small. Oh, that says so much to us. Mom or dad here, with kids who are up all night and you're exhausted and you're sacrificing sleep and sanity for the care of this child that's entrusted to you, befriend faithfulness. Student ministry leader here, small group leader that's been entrusted with a a group of people that you are praying for and that you are trying to lead and teach and host and love. Through the ups and downs of that work, trust in the Lord and befriend faithfulness. You here who are absolutely lost right now as to how to care for your aging or ailing parents or a loved one, trust in the Lord and befriend faithfulness. You who are here and you serve our faith family by daily praying for us because you frankly don't know what else to do right now, befriend faithfulness, thank you. And so often in the church we, we stumble all over ourselves to try and serve in what we perceive to be the most important ways. And here we see someone willing to serve faithfully in little things commended as the most worthy one of recognition. Epaphroditus wasn't pining for platform or position, he was faithful in being a messenger and a minister to needs. And Paul here says, this is a life worthy of the gospel, imitate him. Oh, that we would be a people willing to joyfully and faithfully serve even in the small, seemingly insignificant and often incredibly difficult ways. I would love it if we would find ourselves stumbling over each other to serve faithfully in the little things, even behind the scenes. Maybe be great if we're stumbling over each other so that we can pick up trash and change diapers and hold babies and pray without ceasing even though no one knows that you're doing it sit at bedsides to be a comfort to people financially support people that are going around the world patiently listen make ourselves available even when it's difficult and do it all for the praise of his name and for the sake of the furthering of the gospel couple questions for us to ask ourselves. Maybe your small group can talk about them this week. Back to the beginning, who are you imitating? Hopefully, now, you're looking to imitate Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus, but who's someone in in your life, maybe even here in our faith family, That's a beautiful example of something that we've seen in this passage. What do you want to imitate about their life? And I'm gonna ask you to do this. Would you go to that person and ask if you can spend some time with them? Would you go and say, hey, I've seen this, reflection of the gospel in your life. Could I just spend some time with you? Could we just get coffee together every now and again? Could our families get together for dinner? I don't I don't want to be just weirdly watching you from across the room. Like I want to I want to lean in because Christianity it's a faith that says imitate imitate Godly gospel examples. You have been that. I've seen that in you. Can I get to know you a little bit better? Other question. Who's imitating you? Ah, that's humbling, isn't it? Who's someone that you know is watching your life? That's humbling because often I think a lot of us say, I don't want anyone to imitate me right now. And yet we're called to be that example, aren't we? And I'm gonna encourage you, look around you, your life, your spheres of influence, this church, and look for someone that you think probably should be someone that's looking at you. And following your example and would you reach out to them and say hey I'd love to spend some time with you this doesn't have to be complicated and guess what you don't have to be perfect because you're not (laughs) right we're in this together And so you can say, listen, I've been poured into, I've seen an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Could I be that example to you? And it can be as simple as initially just saying, hey, let's just spend some time together. We call this discipleship. (laughs) And it's one of the main things that the church is actually supposed to be spending its time on this earth doing. Would we be willing to do it here Would we say, I need godly example in my life and I want to be a gospel example in others' lives? How do I do that? Start by getting in proximity. Last example is this. It is the perfect example the perfect example. Look at chapter three, verse one. There's this transitional verse that kind of spans this section to the one we're gonna be talking about next week. And it says, finally, finally, my brothers and sisters rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, in case you were tempted to think that all of this culminated in a human example, in case you were tempted to be discouraged because we've so often seen human examples fail and fall, he reminds us to look back to the beginning of chapter two where we saw the perfect example in Jesus Christ. Our rejoicing is ultimately in him. These human examples are only helpful to the extent that they reflect the perfect example. Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus, us, our lives serve as pointers to Jesus. The ultimate example of humility, joyful sacrifice, genuine concern, And faithful service because of what Christ has accomplished in his perfect life in his sacrificial death and in his glorious resurrection by grace through faith in him we are saved and we now get the joy of living out our lives a living sacrifice for his glory and the spread of the gospel.